This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, loyal listeners? Welcome to Agency Intelligence Podcast, where I give you real agents inside of real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that the industry tries to make you believe. This is Jason Cass, and today I am here with Mr. Christian Moore, and you guys know of him. He's a big name in the industry. You've seen him speak his truth, speak his thoughts. He does it very eloquently. He does it very in a very sophisticated way. And you know that he's serious about life and about business and most importantly, about people. And we're going to get to that in just a second. AIBrainShare.com. AIBrainShare.com. You've got to go there. I'm assuming today is uh, February 25th. So usually it's about a week, two weeks out. I'm saying that registration is open. I know for a fact it's open for Mastermind members because it starts on May, uh, March 2nd. And then March 9th is open up to everybody else. So um, keep in mind, we sold out less than a year or in less than a month. It's well, right out a month, right about there. 150 seats, October 25th to the 28th. If you haven't received an email from me or a call from me, I'm not being mean. I'm just stating facts. You're not invited. So you've got to go to AIBrainShare.com, put your thing on and say, hey, I want to go until it's sold out. I'm calling and and interviewing people to see if you qualify. And what does that mean, qualify? There's just a certain standard. I mean, you've got to be somebody like Christian Moore and what he brings to the table, which is just all kinds of plethora of just, just oodles and oodles of sexiness all built into a business and personal and spiritual body is what you're going to encounter. And you're going to encounter that here in a minute. But you could actually meet him and you could shake his hand at Brainshare, AIBrainshare.com. Be sure to check it out. It's in Puerto Rico. It, go look on a map. That's like that's a Caribbean island. I mean, go. Or it's a Caribbean island. It depends on how you say potato. Chris, or Chris, Christian, how are you doing, brother? How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump right in and talk about Puerto Rico real quick. I lived there for six months uh, when Get I back. Right, right out of college. Yeah, I left, I left a, a soccer scholarship and worked as a missionary down there for a little bit. And um, I'm going to give everyone who's going to go a, a hint. This is a, this is a pro tip of Puerto Rico. There, there's a place in Puerto Rico called Fajardo, uh, F-A-J-A-R-D-O, Fajardo. And in Fajardo, they have illuminescent bays. It's one of the only places in the world where you can do this. So there's a, there are microplanktons uh, that, that mix with the mangrove trees. And because of the nutrients in the water, whenever you, whenever you irritate the water, it lights up this bright electric blue. And you get to take, uh, you get to take these kayaks back into this mangrove um, bay. And all of a sudden, they tell you just to pay attention to the water. You do it at night. 
And all of a sudden the water starts lighting up. And I don't know if you still can, but they used to let you jump in and your entire body would just go electric blue as you, as you jumped into the water. So if you guys are down there and you're going, I absolutely, to, you, you have to go to Fajardo. I have to go. And the reason why I have to go, Christian, is because there's like three people who have either lived there or, you know, stayed there for a very long period of time. Just like you said, in every one of them says exactly that same thing. They mention the that um, what is it? Is it like plankton or something like that? What did you say that was that that's on the mangroves that that lights up? You yeah. said what it was. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's the plankton. It's the plankton. Yeah, microplankton is what they are. And so, okay, yeah, what yeah. happens is when you irritate them, they move really fast back and forth, and that creates light. That's unbelievable. That's awesome. See, I'm, and that's a loyal. I mean, loyal listeners. Why? Come on, come on. I had like thirty-five people that were on, that wanted to sign up on the registration list. Uh, you got to get on there. So, Christian, you an iPhone? You a Droid user, brother? Oh, Android all day, man. <sighs> See, he's cool. It's cool, loyal listeners. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. You know, it's uh, it's good to be part of the minority sometimes because you're like literally like 10% of the people that come on here are cool like me. Now I just found another one. That's good, Christian. That's You see, you're a winner in miles already. The, the lawyer listeners are like, boy, this is going to be interesting because it always is. What is it with you? What brought you where you are right now, skill or luck? Well, they, they say if you work hard, you make your own luck, right? So probably a little bit of both. A little bit of both. He's a man of balance. He's a man of balance. And I think that fits you correct from the Christian Moore that I know is a man of balance. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I love to compete. You love to compete. Hmm. So it's another man of balance. Christian, geez Louise. I mean, me, I, you might be the brother of my wife. I mean, my wife is like extraordinary balance. <laughs> and and I mean, you, that, that makes sense. So if you lose, you're okay with it because you came to compete. And if you win, that's kind of what you were expecting. So you're okay with that. Yeah, that's 100% right, man. I mean, mentality is everything for me. And honestly, what, what got me here is probably, yeah, I probably should have just said mentality, um, you know, pushing, pushing through, pushing boundaries and, and never really stopping with just, you know, what, with my comfort levels. And so I learned that a long time ago when playing college sports, and I found that I had to work twice as hard to be half as good. And, and I found that I could push myself harder than most and was able to even become better uh, just because, just because of that, that mentality and that willingness to to push and, and grind and uh, and not give up. So I, I love to compete. It, it causes problems, in all honesty, because I, I'm pretty intense and um, and sometimes I create competitions where they shouldn't be. <laughs> but it's the only way I know how to operate. So Forget I don't know him, if I would dude. say balance. I would probably say intense. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Forget them, dude. Um, you know, if they can't if they can't handle the heat, as Mama used to say. Get out of the kitchen. You know what I mean? So that's the way that it is. If you can't handle um, Cass and Christian Moore in a conversation, which I have to tell you, loyal listeners, that is a lot to take in. (laughs) I mean, us both at the same time, like answering your questions, it's like overload. I get it. But once again, that's just who we are. Ain't that right, Christian? That's right, man. So, so I have always said not to start fights or anything, right? Like it's not because like I want to just like make people mad. It's just I think we all have the same boring, normal conversations 
and we 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 spread good news and secrets and and things that make our business grow. But in reality, I think when you listen to a lot of conversations out there, I think we're spreading a bunch of poison. I think we're spreading a bunch of stuff that may have worked 10, 15, 20 years ago, but may, may not be working now or may not be up with the times to say, yeah, it works, but there's also a couple of things that are better. And that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to bring that to the conversation so we just all don't sit there you know, sipping our cold, refreshing beverages, talking about stuff that we really think is going to help somebody. I, I'm just, I'm just not that kind of person. I just can't sit there and let that happen. You feel the same way? I'm a hundred percent with that, man. You know, I, I sometimes I get criticized, and, and, I, and I and I hope and I and I think that it is known that I am for other agents, and I, I really try and spend absolutely. In fact, my team sometimes gets on me and, and tells me that, hey, Christian, we, we could probably be a little more successful if you'd stop taking these phone calls and maybe focus a little bit more here. And I do hear them. And I do focus on that. But but sometimes I've been criticized because, um, you know, some people will say that what I'm saying is negative. Um, and I think the thing that that really drives me is I really don't care if something is positive or negative. What I want is the truth. I want to know what is true and what is real. And I want I want my pursuit of the truth uh, and reality to drive me as opposed to a feeling of positivity or negativity. If it's positive or negative, that's on you. The question is, how do you handle the truth of a situation? Um, and what we find in the good old boys club, what we find in our industry is a lot of people wanting to say the most toxic words that, that have ever existed. And that's the way we've always done it. And, and that's just, that is not truth. That is not reality. What that is, is comfort and that is that is laziness, and as just that thing, that just can't. I, that drives me, or the uh, I am driven by the opposite of that. I want to pursue truth, regardless of how I measure up to it, right? Because because at the end of the day, that's that's one of the only things of value worth pursuing. Wow, that's good stuff, dude. I've never thought of it that way, and because I that is something that I can use to justify my own actions. I like to always say that I like to challenge the norms. I like to make people think, right? I want them to think like, is there another way? Man, I never thought about that, right? right. Um, but I love what you you put it perfectly though. It's not about being positive and rah-rah. It's not about negative and trying to bring the conversation down. It's just about truth. One of the things I want to tell you this on a personal level, Christian, this was a very, very tough thing for me probably around the age of uh, 30, 35, somewhere in there, I'm 41 now, where I started realizing one day I was sitting in my buddy's garage drinking beer with all my buddies and they were all talking about, some of them worked at UPS and and some of them worked at, you know, do, doing fine jobs. I, I'm not, once again, if any of my friends are listening, you guys know I've told you about this, but also to anybody out there that may have a, a, a profession outside the insurance industry, I'm not downing it. What I'm saying is, is it's, it was their life. It's all they lived through, you know, and they didn't, and they just didn't seem like they were very happy. And I would notice that that was what I was doing, right? And I was, you are the five people you hang out with the most. And here I am in this garage at 830 at night, drinking beer, thinking to myself, like, like, what am I doing? Right? Like, I got so much more that I can give the world. And that was where I finally had to say, and the reason I bring this story up, Christian, I want to turn this over to you is because I was always brought in as the cat as like, Oh, there goes Cass again. And it wasn't the negative stuff. It's it, it had to do with this. 
it, it goes back to what you're saying. It was the truth. But they say that small minds talk about people, average minds talk about things, and large minds talk about ideas. Hmm. I don't like talking about people and things all the time. I don't mind it. I get it. That's life, right? I don't want to be sitting here having Einstein conversations all the time. But it's okay <laughs> to get at that because when you start speaking of ideas, you start finding the truth. Well, What's say really, you, Christian? That's really good, man. <clears throat> you know, I, I joke a lot because, like I said, I do get a lot of phone calls or emails uh, from you know, from agents around the country. I don't get a lot of callbacks, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I joke about this because what what where I always start, and, and when I when I spoke at IOA, I, I even like preface this because everything I talk about is foundational. It's philosophy. It's mentality, and so everyone wants like. You know, I want number one, number two, number three. How do you get to what you're doing? How do you guys perform the level you do? How do you recruit the way you do? And my answer, if you look at it, if any podcast, anything I've ever said is that I started, I, I developed a cultural strategy. It took me nine months to get through my my thinking on that before I ever developed a business plan. And my business plan I developed in two hours. Um, and so I take that philosophy to everybody, and and I. You know, someone says, you know, someone says, well, hey, I, I, you know, I want help recruiting. And I say, OK, great. Well, how, why does your agency exist? Uh, 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 well, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, you so know, let's like, go back to that recruiting question, right? Yeah. What's your what's your purpose? You know what? You know, what do you what do you want to build into the lives of your people? What's your community impact? You know, and, and so we start we you know why and you can even drive down more why questions like, OK, why do you send emails? Why do you send text messages? Why? Why is your phone system the system that it is? Everything sh that you do in your agency should all be geared towards supporting the why. And I'm not trying to jump on Simon Sinek and, you know, just say right. you know, the why, the why, the why. But what's actually funny, and this is, this is the God's honest truth, I developed, the, the, <laughs> I developed this, this thought and this concept of why before I knew who Simon Sinek was, I was about halfway through this nine-month thing. And, <laughs> and then someone's like, hey, this sounds a lot like this guy Simon Sinek. I started reading. I was like, dang it. That could have been rich if I wrote this 10 years ago. <laughs> if you were drinking at the time, you're like, did I get drunk at a bar and oh, tell this guy this? Man, did I? And I think that I told it to him. Man, you know it, what I mean? Like, it, was, it was confirmation, though. That I, yeah, And, and what, what was really cool is Simon Sinek, he, when he presents it, he talks about it as a truth. Um, and I thought that was cool because I stumbled upon it and things that are true tend to be true. Right. You know, so I, you know, when he said, he, he said it was a truth and he discovered it as such, and you could think that was just a, a pitch, but here's some guy who'd never heard of him who, you know, in Kentucky, you know, trying to figure out how to start an insurance agency and all of a sudden stumbles upon the same concepts. And, and I thought that was, it, it was, and of course, you know, Simon Sinek said it so much more eloquently and it really helped me refine my, my thinking. And so I was, um, but anyway, but you know, to, no, to the whole, that's good stuff. That's good stuff, dude. You are right. You know, it's the, what the, how, and the why, you know, yeah. that's what he basically says. And I think it's, 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 it's funny how agents play with those three words because they all want to know what to do. And now the big thing is, well, I want implementation classes because I want to know how to do it. And they've never done, as you've said, started with why we're doing what we're doing and how we're doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. You know, so our organization, we, we exist in order to make a generational impact in the community. We happen to sell insurance. Right? So that's, mm -hmm. that's different than I sell insurance and I give to my community. I talk to people about this all the time because the, the reason that my, so real is an acronym. I don't know if you knew that or not. 
Um, I didn't. So what real, is that? So real is an acronym. It stands for right intentions, uh, excellence in all things, awesome products and life changing generosity. And so hmm. when, when I started my business plan, I kind of just wrote, okay, what do I want to do? I want to be the, I want to be the best boutique agency in Kentucky, you know? So I wrote out, you know, right. You'll start, well, you got to start with right intentions. So I wrote that out and, and our intentions were make to make a generational impact, right? So in order to make a generational impact, you have to exist for generations. So I knew that I was never going to sell. Right. And so, so we kind of kept, you know, that kind of kept building, but then I got to the, I got to the, you know, the excellent, uh, it started off as excellent processes, but then, you know, it shifted to excellence in all things. Uh, then awesome products, of course, you need the right carrier makeup. But every salesperson knows that if you have right intentions, excellent processes, or excellence in all things, and and awesome products, you can be successful. But we wanted something that was different. We wanted to. I, I knew that I wanted to exist for different reasons. So the L is life changing, generosity. So we take a portion of everything we make and we allocate that to give to our community, our local community. So we we take care of widows, orphans, refugees, people that will never be our insurance agents or insurance clients, not because we don't want them, but just because by definition of who they are, they're difficult to find, right? So we give to organizations who are already working with them so that, you know, we can raise up the least of these in our community. And I'm not trying to spout that about my agency, but what's really interesting is insurance is the most generous organization or industry in the country. I believe that. And every, and I'm no, di- you know, I, well, the difference is, and, and here's, here's why the why matters. I was created or our agency was created with that as our foundation, our founding principle. Every other insurance agency I know of gives to local community. But the reason that my narrative is better is because it is at the core of who we are. And so you may do the same thing that I do, but I do it better and I narrate it better because it is our why and our founding principle. So again, it's not, it's not that I'm special in that we give everybody, almost every agency I know actually gives in some way or capacity, but it's not, it's something that they do. It's not who they are. And that's why my narrative, that's why my narrative is better. And, and, and I like that. And it really makes sense. It is better you, because I, I wrote this down literally as you were saying this and you kind of hit back at it, but you put your core values in your name. Yeah. I don't know hardly anybody else who did that. Like these are our core values and then this is going to be our name. Um, so we don't have to have our name over here, blah, blah, insurance agency on this wall. And then on this wall, we have our core values written out. Nope. Those are going to just be one and the same. And I think that is a very, very powerful image that you're painting into the picture in the minds of your employees, which is just as important as your customer's experience, as your employee's experience, just as important as the user experience you have and your clients and customers and, and employees have with each other and with the carriers. You you did that. And I and I I really um I really, really like that. I had no idea that that's what real meant. So, you know, here's the other thing too, and and I do this purposely. I don't listen to other podcasts and I don't listen to other podcasts um, where I think that there's somebody that I'm going to want in the future. And the reason I do it is, is I've tried to be pure in our conversation. So you may have said that on other podcasts, but I did not know, truly know about, know that. And then Christian, let's, uh, where were you born? Uh, Frankfurt, Kentucky. Frankfurt, Kentucky. Gosh, which are you? Are you are you a cardinal or are you a wildcat? Dude, we've which talked one? about this, man. Yes, I know this not. actually. Never mind. I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. What the hell? I'm sorry. It's eight fifteen in the morning. Sorry, but I'm usually a, I, I, I will say that I'm a UK basketball fan and, and a UK football fan, but I'm also a huge Notre Dame football fan also. 
For real? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I know, man. So what's funny is in in Kentucky, you know, it's such a religious state. You know, people are like, "But you're not Catholic." <laughs> you know, it's like it's like yeah. this may surprise you. You don't. It's not a prerequisite. <laughs> you can actually yeah. just be a noted. What happened was, I'm actually uh, funny. My my stepfather is Catholic, and I, you know, of course, in the in the '90s, Kentucky football just has you know sucked for most of the most of the '90s. So you know, I just grew up on Saturdays watching the gold helmets run around on the ABC. Uh, well, and they really were good back then. You know what I mean? Oh, they were real good back then. Oh, so. so fun. So yeah, so you know, classic. And so anyway, so I just became a Notre Dame football fan, uh, ironically. And um, but yeah, anyway. So UK. But okay. that, what surprised me though is that you were a UK b- basketball fan, and you're you know you've been all over the place, but not Kentucky. So how did that happen? Nah, it's a good question, dude. Uh, uh, love the story. Uh, real quick. Uh, yeah, I, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, moved to Dallas, Texas, moved to Wa- Everett, Washington, moved here. Long story for that. But I was in eighth grade and I was watching the it was in 1990 and the shot heard around the world with uh, Christian Leitner, a uh, 91, actually. And it was a 92. shot heard around. the. Yeah. Well, I think it was 91. But yeah, so 92, because I thought I was still in eighth grade. So I would have been a freshman if it was 92. But anyways, okay, 92. So you you, you know as well as I do. Um, so 92, um, when the shot was hit around the world, I was I was watching basketball. I really was not a basketball fan. My stepdad, who who I, I was raised with, he, he was not a sports guy whatsoever. And I'm watching this with my Uncle Mike. And he was going for them, you know, and I just was going for him. And then when the shot heard around the world happened, like I started crying and like I went outside and and I'm sitting outside and I remember my mom, my mom's a very straight up type of person. And my mom comes out there and she's like, and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I, she saw us crying and she goes, what the hell are you crying for? And, and, you know, I was like, and I'm like, mom, that team, it was just so upsetting. They tried so hard. She's like, Get your ass in bed. You know, it's, it's like, what is wrong with you? Because then we were just a sports team. And then the next year, I mean, Jamal Mashburn was the, I mean, it was just, yeah. it was just, it was the era, you know. Yeah. Um, I became absolutely obsessed with Rick Pitino. Yeah. And I know that a lot of younger generation know the Rick Pitino of now, but back in the 80s and 90s, I mean, he I was, that. he was it. Yeah. He was pure class, you know, you know this. And um, so that that is where my fascination came from. And then in 96, they the, the year I graduated, they won. And then 98. Right. Then I found out they won in 78, which is when I was born. So everything was lining up. I'm like, this is just <laughs> this is all gas. And now my sons are so huge into it. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they're adamant. I've created monsters in them when it comes to Kentucky. So it's uh, it's it's fun. It's fun. That's the answer to my question. Oh, or to sorry question. for derailing us. No, dude. No, that that's a good question because I get it a lot. I get it a whole bunch from people like you don't live in Kentucky, but also Southern Illinois in Kentucky, other than the river, is kind of the same type of people. Same yeah. type, the same type of land. Actually, you guys are a little bit more beautiful, a little bit more mountainous uh, down in Southern Illinois, that uh, Paducah part of Kentucky. But, but anyways, Frankfurt, that's where you're from, and uh, that's fantastic. And then you, what year did you graduate high school? Oh, one. 
Oh, one. Oh, one. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you're five years older than or younger than me. Okay. That's what that was. That's, that's about what I thought you were. We had never talked that way Uh, to loyal listeners. What's amazing is, 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 is Christian and I know each other. We've been in the same room. Uh, We were neon uh, pilot agencies together. Uh, We, we, but I, you know, we've really never sat down and got into these type of conversations. So when you got out of high school, did you, did you go to college? Yes? No? Yeah, man. So yeah, so I grew up, you know, relatively, uh, you know, without without much, right? You know, so broken household, all that kind of thing, right? And so, yeah, I went to college on a soccer scholarship. Um, it was a local college here, it's called Georgetown College. I uh, went there, ended up uh, ended up meeting the Lord, man, and ended up going and uh, leaving my um, leaving my scholarship behind and going and working as a missionary in Puerto Rico and Ecuador, which is how I got to Puerto Rico, uh, and how I <clears throat> ended up learning Spanish. Came back. Um, and, and ended up never finishing a degree. Um, so one of the reasons why insurance, uh, why I love insurance, why I'm so passionate about it, is because uh, you know technically uh, I'm an, I'm uneducated by by most standards, um, but because of but because of the opportunity afforded in insurance, I you know was able to really not just create a good life for my family, but be able to you know draw a much bigger circle around me and bring people into that vision. Uh, and man, and be able to really make an impact in the community. So I, I mean, I'm so, I love insurance so much. And I love that you always say that it's the best industry that God created. Just because mm-hmm. I know you, I know you kind of say it tongue in cheek, but the reality is, is that no, man, there's something true. there's something really cool about being able to be an insurance agent. And, and you know, I wouldn't be able to, you know, there's no other career where you can ha- make the income, make the impact, and have the life that you can have uh, without a college degree. It's pretty awesome. I challenge people. I, I, I challenge people to to bring to me another industry. And I get so focused about this. I'm not even going to go on because the loyal listeners hear me a lot with it. But I, I you're so right, dude. I uh, it, it really <laughs> and that's why and that's why it hurts me whenever I see things being done wrong and you see young people leaving because of, of a, a, a plethora of reasons. And it goes back to the five truths of insurance. And you're hitting huge. You, your big one is three. Your 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 number three truth of insurance, which is community contributor and giver. Um, and that that's a really big one. And I think that that's really big to to you. So so in my five truths, where I say flexible schedule, financial freedom, community contributor, empire builder, and and um, uh, 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 mentorship, those first two are really truthfully about you and your family. The last three are about you and what you're going to do, your family are going to do for the community. Sure. And and your your big one is three. I've know you noticed you've mentioned that twice. And I I've written down this like multiple times that you keep mentioning um that that is really big to you. You talk about coming from a broken home. Yeah. Is there a correlation there? You know, I think so. Uh, you know, my uh, my mother uh, was, you know, incredible, right? You know, she, you know, worked two jobs. <clears throat> she took care of me and my brother. You know, we both played, you know, sports at a very high level. Um, have no idea. That's probably because of my grandparents, but had no idea how, how she was able to do it. I, I, you know, there's there's one story I remember where, yeah, I, t- I saw her. <clears throat> she was probably around my age now. Just absolutely, you know, stunningly beautiful, very, very thin. And and I said, you know, I was like, Mom, I was like, Mom, you were so thin. And, you know, she was like, well, you know, uh, and she told me, she was like, you know, I was, I was anorexic at that point. And I was like, oh, no. Um, and, and I didn't know that. And she was like, well, it was, it was, she didn't want to get on food stamps. And, and she, and we couldn't afford to eat. And so she just decided to, to basically not eat. 
Uh, wow. And it, you know, it ended up becoming a, an issue, but um, you know, that was a type of, that was a type of woman that raised me. And so <clears throat> I think that, I think that there's a large part of that where I, I, I do want to, you know, reach out and find and take care of those, those people who are, who need a, who need a helping hand. I have needed helping hands even recently. And, uh, it's such a humbling experience, but, you know, I also think that, you know, my, my faith drives this, this desire a lot. Uh, not that I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination and not that I do things perfectly, but, uh, man, but I really am driven by, uh, by, by feeling that, you know, to whom much is given much is respect or expected. Uh, mm-hmm. so, um, I want to, again, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that, that driving force of, of truth and, you know, what matters. And at the end of the day, this, this money that we accrue and these things, this, this stuff that we're making, that's not the stuff that matters. It's the relationships. Uh, it's the legacy that you live that, you know, that, that lasts, this other stuff passes away, but the impact that you make on people's lives, that can be eternal. Yeah, it can be eternal. And, and I like what you spoke to there. There's something that needs to be um, stated over and over again, that you're a man of conviction, you're a man of faith, you believe, you you believe, you know, and what I think is just so much, and my friends are so guilty of this um, with me, is, is, is you're not perfect, and and I and Wait, I, 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 I exactly <laughs> right. And like I want to just like tell some people like like guess what? No one is right. And 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 some of the people that had God has used in his in his in his greatest hours were the ones who were the most imperfect, right? Yeah. So it's like it's it, it, you've gotta you gotta get there to know this. This so this just happened, Christian, this weekend. My my buddy, I don't know what was wrong with him. He was really upset. He lives in Oregon, very successful guy. He was, I guess he's upset because he thought that maybe Bernie would possibly lose like in Nevada. Like he's super liberal. Okay. And he he like he I said something to him in our like friend posts, you know, all of us guys have like that that thing. And yep. he snapped at me and I said, What the hell's wrong with you? And he said, he said, a person who seems to like Trump and believes in God is an idiot in my book. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, wow. And I know all my friends were just like, geez, Louise, dude, like ease up a little bit, you know, because we're buddies. We've been yeah. in school. Dude, this is like a deep, deep, deep friendship, right? Right. And so the, the, the fact is, is it got me thinking about something. It got me thinking that I know a bunch of non-believers and never once do I or anybody I know go and like would I say that to them? Like, would I never, I would never go to them and be like, well, dude, you're a non-believer. Like to me, I think, I think, I think like Jesus would come up and smack the crap out of me and he doesn't (laughs) even hit people. He's not even violent. And, and it's like, I, I really truly believe that. Like, it's like, it's like, why do they always have to bother us? But we're not bothering them. All I'm doing is just trying to live a good life and admitting that, I tell this to people all the time. No one has sinned more than Jason Cass. Okay, no one has. Now, now Christians out there throwing—he's raising his hand on Cass <laughs> right over here, brother. But but that's the way that it is, and I think that it's okay to be able to be open and admit that. But it's also not okay for people to understand that, like we all sin, and no one's judging anybody. You no, know, I think, it, and that's not I, the way it should be. I think it's an interesting conversation, especially because. Uh, you know, so my, the, the way that my agency was founded was actually, I, I brought on two business partners who are both uh, Christian entrepreneurs here in town. Um, and, and they actually, you know, kind of approached me and said, Hey, we see what you're doing. And if you want to start an agency, we'll, 
we'll come behind and, and fund it. And so that's, that's how this whole thing is going. But the way that our, the, but you know, and, and, and if anyone hears me, everyone should probably know at this point that I'm a big culture guy, right? Um, so one of the things that I always tell people when we're hiring them, and, and my lawyer says, I have to say it now since I said it the first time, is that, um, so I have to tell everybody is, hey, I love Jesus. I have a sincere relationship with him. I also drink a little and I also cuss a little. And me and God are good with that. And you are welcome to be but we're not going to change because of you. So, you know, you need to, under, you know, in some of our meetings, we, we may finish a meeting with prayer. Uh, we also may rock out to 90s alternative Nirvana. Um, and we also may have Fireball Fridays. And all of that exists in this agency. I don't have enough time to judge you. I don't have enough time to worry about whether or not you live up to some other expectation. All I, ca- I can't teach you to be a good person. Uh, I can teach you insurance. I can teach you sales. You're going to decide you, you basically by the time you've made it to me, your parents and your life have determined whether or not you're a good person. Uh, we'll figure it out and we'll know who you are um, by your work. But right now, I don't have time to judge you, man. So if you can't if you if you're cool and you're not going to judge me, I'm not going to judge you. But I want you. But you have to be OK with it or, you know, you, you're welcome to go somewhere else. But we're not going to change because of you. Um, and you, know, wow. you, know, you know, who's had a problem with that? Nobody, nobody, not a person, man. Um, why, why, why do you think that that would not be what most people would think? If you went up to a bunch of agents and said, here's the way I'm going to start interviewing people. And I'm going to say this, what do you, how do you think that's going to go? I don't think they would say that. Why has it went that way? You know, I I think a few things in all honesty. Um, and one is that, and this actually goes, you know, there's a sales, there's a sales thing here in this as well. Right. One thing I noticed a, a few years back was that, I had two clients that had almost two exactly this, almost the exact same experience um, in terms of uh, whether it was a, you know, basically it was like a rate increase, right? And so one client was really mad at me and one wasn't, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I was really kind of like analyzing the situation. What I found out was the only difference was that I set expectations in the front end. So I told one client, hey, the nature of insurance is that rates are going to raise, (coughs) excuse me, rates are going to raise. And, and basically when those rates raise, I'm going to say, Hey, I saved you a thousand dollars last year. I saved you $700 this year. When we talk next year, I'm going to tell you, Hey, I've saved you $1,700 over the last two years. Are you going to be mad at me? And this is our narrative in our agency. And, and he says, and that guy says, no, I didn't have the conversation with the other guy. One guy gets mad at me. Hey, you just sold me insurance. My insurance rates went up. The other guy thanked me. Right. So it was really just about setting expectations. And I think that's, I think that's really just a simple thing when people know what they're getting into then they can make the mature decision. Uh, but if they came into the agency and I never said, hey, I'm a strong Christian or I'm a strong believer or I'm a drinker, you know, I, you know, I have teetotalers in my office as well, people that are totally against that. So I've had the other conversation too. Hey, I love Jesus, but hey, man, dude, I drink and I'm not going to judge you for not, but I'm not going to change because of you, right? Love it, dude. You, you, you placed it really well. And I want you to know that there's a bunch of loyal listeners right now that um, that can't believe that we're talking about this. But it's not. But it's not for them, Christian. It's not for them. It's for that other group that's like you and I. That is that if that wants other people to understand that we're not perfect. And so you get what you get when you get all of us, right? Not saying we're better, not saying we're worse, not no. saying being, you know, a believer is worse than I'm not saying that at all. To be completely transparent, what we are stating is, is that there's two sides to that. 
And I think I love your transparency. And to be honest with you, I love that little sales strategy you use there. If I save you, I can't remember the numbers you said, if I save you a thousand dollars, we're just making the numbers easy. And then the next year, the price goes up 200 bucks. I'm still saving you 1800 bucks, you know, or total over the last two years. Let's talk about that in terms of in terms of let's switch the conversation and and, and kind of okay. talk about because at the end of the day what we're really talking about we're not we're not necessarily just talking about faith what we're talking about is setting expectations and being transparent and open handed and so what I what True. I so so generosity is at the core of my of my agency and that's and that's really the thing that that we we really espouse and believe what is cool about this is. Um, so what I found is that one of the, and I'm a big, I'm a big nerd, right? So I've got like a, I've got a Webster's 18, or sorry, Noah Webster 1812 dictionary. I love to know what words meant back when the guy first wrote the dictionary, right? Oh, I'm that way. Oh, yes. So, so, I, so I looked up the word generosity. <clears throat> one of the cool things about generosity, and you'll just appreciate this. I'm not actually going to talk about it any further, but it also, it means nobleness of soul, which is really cool. But anyway, one of the one of the other things I found was that one of the words is open-handed. And so we, we talk about generosity and people think it's giving. But what I tell my team is that open-handed, when you participate in an open-handed sales conversation, when you're not trying to close hard, you're actually participating in a form of generosity with your clients. So what I tell my agents is this, we are, and I'm super, I'm super intense, I'm super aggressive. And in terms of like marketing and branding, anyone who wants to follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn I make no apologies and I'm very, you know, I, I have, you know, there's, there's some haters in my state because I say I'm the fastest growing insurance agency in the state. Well, it's easy to say when you started from zero, but, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I had, you know, I've had, I've had other agencies literally jump on my Facebook page and say, you know, I can't believe you're saying this, you know, kind of thing. So I just block those guys. But anyway, right. the, um, but what we, what we tell our team is that we fight, we close our fists and we fight tooth and nail to get in front of our clients. But once we're there, we open our hands and we act in an advisory capacity. And that is what allows us to act inside. That, that's what allows us to be generous in the sales conversation. And, and what we find is that we have a much higher closing ratio by, by being willing to say no to somebody and to send them somewhere else. Here's the cool thing. Mm-hmm. I actually tell my agents that, hey, I'm paying you to give good advice. And that good advice might mean that you tell them to stay put or go somewhere else. And here's the really cool thing. If you track this, if, if it, I, I guarantee if anyone has made it this far in the podcast, if we didn't turn them off in the middle of it, then I promise. Dude, I, they're loyal I, listeners. I, These people are wanting more. I promise. If, if someone applies this approach, what you will find is you get referrals four to one from people that you are willing to say no to than people that you say yes to. I agree. I absolutely agree. You don't even have to agree, man. It's a fact. No, <laughs> I've studied no. it. <laughs> no, and I agree. I, I see it every day in our office because we do. We're one of those agencies that walks away from more clients than we quote. That is that is totally our mantra. And I will tell you right now, we have gotten, I mean, referrals from them. And it's really funny. I have never seen the statistic, as you're saying, but it totally plays out in my head. I think there's a lot of you loyal listeners that have seen that happen. That's good. I like that. I like that. Um I like what you said. I'm paying you to give, I'm paying you to give them good advice. I'm not. So you're basically saying I'm not paying you to close and make the sale. That's right. I think if you give them the good advice, that's probably going to come more times than you trying to be aggressive and close. So this is the conversation that I have with the client. And so normally at this point, I'm not doing a lot of sales anymore. You know, I kind of, I'll take the call and get the information and pass it along. But what I'll tell the client is I'll say one is like, listen, if you feel sold to, you, this is my personal cell phone. You tell me you should not feel sold to from my agents. Um, 
basically what I, what I want them to know is that, and this is what, this is the very thing I say. I was like, I want you to trust me in five years. I don't want you to trust me today. I want you to trust me in five years. So if I, in five years, we will know if I just sold you something or if I gave you good advice. And the only thing that's going to allow you to trust me in five years is if me and my team gave you good advice today. And that doesn't mean that you sell something or you buy something from me today. It means that you understand that we gave you good advice and that's it. And so that good advice may mean, yeah, you should switch right now. That good advice might mean, hey, you should go kick rocks. But at the end of the day, we are going to be known as trustworthy in our community before we're known as great salespeople. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And... Um advisory is is definitely how I'd want. I could care less if people know that we're great salespeople or not. One of the biggest things that um, I think a lot as people will say to me, um, just the way that we perceive our agencies is, oh, well, you only have a staff of six. And yeah, we have four VAs that work full time, but like we don't base how successful we are by how many clients we have. We base it on how much revenue we are profiting or we are making. <laughs> per client, right? That there's a big difference there. I mean, you could have a hundred clients paying you 20,000 or in, in revenue, you know, and versus 2000 clients paying you $200 in revenue or whatever it could be. There's a, there's a huge difference there. And I'll, I'll switch um, it to you in terms of why, you know, so that, and you know, again, that, that how you measure success really shows your why, right? And that's, that's a good thing because obviously you're wanting to take care of your family and your community. Uh, the way that the way that I measure success internally is how much we give. Um, so it's not it, it's like a step further. And again, it's because it's who are and I'm not and this isn't like contrasting you or anyone else. Yeah, it's, right. It's no. a conversation about, you know, what what do you value and how do you measure success for us? It's how much we give. So, you know, the, the, the God's honest truth is, you know, while we have decided to, uh, to to base our agency off of giving, we also started with, you know, with startup capital. Right. So, you know, there's money that has to be paid back and there's, you know, there's debt and those kinds of things, right? So you can only give so much from a place of debt. So I won't, you know, our agency will have sold about 5 million in our first two years in premium. And in our first, in our first full year, we were a top five agency in the state with three separate carriers with four producers, right? You know, so like someone could say, whoa, that's success. But in five years, in five years from now, we'll be able to give well over six figures a year into our community and hopefully inspire others to do the same. That's when I'll start considering that I have built something successful. Um, not, I like not, that. not based off of sales and not even based, the, the profit, you know, obviously I can't give unless I'm profitable. So that's, you know, the profit is, is a byproduct of this. Uh, it's a means to an end. The end for me is, is what type of impact are we making and at the end of the day, the only way I can measure success then is is by that impact and by that giving. You know what I always say, people, as you said, uh, they get upset with you in your state because they're saying that, uh, well, you can't say that you're the number one insurance agency or whatever. You know what I say? 
I'm always number one until you show me your numbers. <laughs> I'm willing to show you my numbers, right? Right. It, we, we have this in the podcast game. Oh, this yeah. is something a lot of loyal listeners don't know is that, you know, we all wonder who are, who's, gets the most downloads. The only person, and if you're a podcaster listening to me, I've probably had this conversation with you. And if you haven't, and we haven't, please take me up on it. I show my numbers. I've sent my numbers to these guys and said, here's my numbers. Show me your numbers. They won't show me their numbers. I'm not saying that they're hiding their numbers. Right. What I'm saying is, is I'm the number one podcast in the insurance industry. And if you want to prove me wrong, show me your numbers, right? (laughs) If I'm the only one showing my numbers. And I think it's the same thing. You're willing to step up and say, here's what it is. You and you know, like you said, you've been in business two years, you went to 5 million. That means that you had 100% growth probably in the second year. I get it because it's a, it's a smaller book. But I still want to challenge you know, what other agency in town that is of your size or even a little bit bigger in the state is doing 5 million in premium in two years. We're not. I'm telling you right now, we're not at this agency. So, I mean, yeah. I, I challenge other people to say that. Well, what's really exciting is we're probably going to double or triple that this year in new business. Um, so that'll, that, so it's getting ready to explode even, even more, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. And that was, man, that's, you know, again, some of the stuff that we're doing is, is revolutionary. We just had a, we just had a bank tell a client. So we, we developed a, I don't know if you know this or not. We developed a partnership with a title company. Um, and so that title company is the largest title company in Kentucky. Um, so basically what's going to happen is one out of every two homes sold in central Kentucky is going to pass through my agency. Um, nice. an opportunity. Um, and so we, there, there was a bank recently that told one of our clients that we will not accept a small bank. Uh, we will not accept that your insurance policy because of that relationship with the title company. Um, so they literally, they literally create, you know, <laughs> my title company partner said, Hey, you want to own a bank? <laughs> yeah, obviously that was, I mean, incredibly illegal, right? From a banking standard, right. from a loan standard, and then also from an insurance standard, they literally broke a law in every, in, in every regulatory uh, governing body over them, Right. But, um, but when, when people start doing that, my wife said this to me, I said, she's a Christian. When people start doing that, like, that's like, you know, that's when people start talking trash about like professional athletes is they don't have anything else to do other than they, they can't compete with you. And so they're, they're going to try and do the wrong thing. That's when they, she's like, that's when athletes start taking, you know, performance enhancing drugs, right? Because they can't compete with, with Kobe and LeBron. Um, right. So they, mm-hmm. they start trying to cheat to catch up. And you know, she's like, you know, that's, that's a sign that you're doing the right thing. Don't worry about those little guys. Just keep doing the right thing. Very well said. Very well said. Very well said. Wow. That's good. That, that's good stuff. That's good. Christian, what is something that when you are on other podcasts that you get off and you think to yourself, I wish I would have said that, or I wish I would have said this. Is there something out there that of the podcast and the speaking events that you've done that people don't know about you? As far as don't know, you know, I think, you know, I I try and be really, really vulnerable as, as often as possible. Uh, it's not, it's not a stance that's easy for me. Um, so I, I, it's a practice. Um, I think something that I think would be really cool. We talk about culture a lot. Um, and, and I think that I, I really try and inspire other agents and agencies as to what is possible, because I think that what we're doing is unique. And I think that we are, uh, I think that we are a poised agency to really take the industry into the future. Uh, along with a lot of others and not just us. But so I try and inspire others through the positive things that happen and the growth that we have. 
but also try and tell people, you know, the, the, I also try and share, especially in, in the insurance agency owners Alliance group, I really try and share, you know, the losses as well. Um, but those, mm-hmm. for those who, those who aren't in that group may not know, but you know, for example, I just had to let a team member go. Um, and it was the hardest thing that ever happened in my entire life. I, I have, I have loved, I had loved this person and brought them along and sacrificed and put, and I was, and I was very happy to add people telling me, Hey, Christian, you just need to, you know, consider that you made a bad mistake and let this person go. And I, and I couldn't do it uh, because I was willing, I consider, I consider, well, here's a great conversation. Here's a great point. When you hire somebody, how many interviews does it typically, does a typical agency do before they decide to hire somebody? Three? Four, maybe four, if they're like excellent, and then they pat themselves. Four, on the, if you're excellent. Yeah, they, they they pat themselves on the back. We spent four hours determining if this person was a right fit. How freaking insane is that, Jason? Think about this. With your wife, did you spend four, how many dates did you go on before you decided to to marry her? <laughs> right. There, so how yeah. how are we going to make a marriage commitment to somebody, a twenty or thirty year commitment with somebody from four hours? That's insane, right? And the, the, here's the reality. Most agencies aren't making that commitment. Or most businesses aren't making that commitment. But when we hire someone at Real, that is our commitment level to our team. And that is the thing that separates us. Because I am a competitor and I'm fierce, man. And I'm so intense. And so my, my behavior in my agency, I tell my team this all the time. You all have no idea the level of intensity that exists under the surface. Because if I shared my level of intensity with you, I'd wear you out. I, um, the way that I'm built is I don't get tired with this. I can go day and day and day and day, and I just get more and more intense. It like builds upon itself. But I would kill my team. They would hate me if I if I if I shared every thought and motivation that I had. But right. But when I when I commit to my team, I commit to them with that same level of intensity. And so when we hire somebody, the average person in my agency, we have eight team members now. The average person, it took me six months of recruiting and not because of having to convince them, but it was, I knew, I know my agency and I know where we're going to such a degree that I know in six months, I'm going to be hiring somebody. So a year before that, I open up the doors and I start saying, Hey, I'm hiring. And then I take a very long time to make the decision because one, I'm not looking for people who are looking for jobs. Right. But then two, when they come in, they're going to meet me. I'm going to pay for my team to go out. They're going to come in and hang out. They're going to come to some group event. We're going to like have some type of party and hang out outside. And then I'm going to interview their spouse, and their spouse is going to interview my spouse and me. Um, so if it's a if it's a wife, if it's a woman who I'm hiring, then what I will do is I want I want her husband or her significant other to know the man that that she's going to be spending more of her time with than than him. Um, if it's a if it's a man. Uh, that I'm hiring, I want his wife to know that I I am committing to taking care of their family at least as much as, as he is. Um, and so, you know, again, that goes into the culture, but in four hours, I'm going to make that decision. That's ridiculous. And if, if right. people want to talk about having a great culture, then they have to stop making decisions based off of money alone. And they have to know who they are. They have to know why they exist. And then they have to find people who fit that and then what I just learned is that you have to be willing to make the hard decision. So like, then this is the really cool thing about culture. And this is, this is it. Here it is. I'm, I've got to the point. I've got to the answer. It took me eight, like seven minutes. I'm sorry. But here's the answer to the question. Culture is not one thing. It's two things. It's heart and mentality. The, the mistake I made is I took the risk on the person because they, they were all heart. They had the big heart. 
Um, and, and I could tell that they fit the heart of our culture, but they didn't match the mindset and they had a fixed mindset, not a growth mindset. And so whenever they were coached, whenever they were taught, they started looking to other people instead of how they could get better. And so what I realized is that culture is made up of two things, heart and mind. And both of those things have to align for that person to be a cultural fit. And you can't make that decision inside of four hours. You just can't. Wow. I like that. That, that is it, mindset and heart. And I think as I sit and I think of the failures that I've had with employees, totally did that, man. I get that heart part. They're a good person. I know I can train them to be better, but it comes to what you said, that fixed mindset. I thought that was really, really good. And then you even pieced it better together there, Christian, and got a little more visual by saying that the, instead of the person trying to look get better themselves, they start looking for others. Um, and I, I, I love that because that makes total sense. And and I think as agency owners, we we notice those about our people. It's like it, it, be a pro, be a solution finder, right? Yeah. Be be a problem solver. And and when you're not. At the beginning, I get it, right? You don't know anything. You don't know the systems. You don't know the lingo. How long would you say, Christian? I mean, how long was this person that you let go working for you before you kind of knew it was a wrong fit? How long did you hold on? Just as some advice out there for other agency owners. Yeah, um, I think I held on for about, let's see, October to January. So October, November, December. So four months I held on. Um so you knew in four months that this person wasn't going to make it because of who they were or just because of the culture so, or was it all around? Were they just not smart? I mean, no, it, was, it was arrogance on my part to think that I could, you know, it's, it's like that, that person who thinks they can change the person they're dating or married to. Right. Um, you, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, honestly, this woman mm-hmm. needed to, to mature in, in a new way. And I hope that this helped. I really do. Um, you know, I, when I, you know, I let her go with tears in my eyes, man. Uh, I lost days of sleep until, and here's the thing, until I started digging. And then I found that, and then I found like that there was a complete level of, of negligence that, that, mm-hmm. that obviously was, that was there had I been digging before, uh, but I was too trusting and I was too, I, I think, honestly, I think I was too proud in my own ability to be able to bring people along. And, and what I would tell anyone listening, if they're trying to figure out this, if you try and coach someone and their responses are, this isn't fair, you're picking on me, let them go. 100%. It is with, I mean, it's, it's the easiest thing. If their response is, this isn't fair, they're picking on me. If their response is to deflect and to say, well, you treat this person this way and this person that way, then that person is 100% not a mindset fix. Or mm-hmm. either that, or you have a serious culture problem and they're a perfect fit. It's one of the two. Either So I am not going to make a fast decision. There's the uh, higher, slow, fire, fast. Yeah. I can say the higher, slow, I agree with the fire, fast. But I also disagree with the fire, fast. Yeah. To me, I want to take in as much. I'm getting ready to make a decision that's going to affect this person's life. Yes. They have car payments, house payments, all that. I get it. But... Christian. When I'm to the point where I'm going to fire, I have no problem doing it and I don't lose sleep over it because I've made a decision and my decision is based on, I think you and a lot of other agency owners think the same way, is the agency. I tell my agency and I tell them this in the good times, right? And I tell them this in the good times and this is probably the most harsh I get, but I try to paint a picture that this is a ship. It is sailing. 
If one person does not do their job, we're going to start to take on water. Water could be E&O exposure. Water could be the fact of mutiny because now the rest of the staff is like, wait a minute, this person doesn't fit our culture. Like, why are they getting away sure. with this stuff? Yeah. Right. And that kind of, th- those kind of things. And I think to myself that I will ask anybody to walk the plank. Now I'm going to have a great reasons and I'm going to have to build up in my mind into, but when it decides to come, I don't have a problem walking the plank and everybody will kind of look at me when I say that. And I say, and I look over at Sarah and I say to Sarah, Sarah, I'm making that person walk the plank for you. Right. Because I'm responsible for 13 car payments, eight house payments. I have so much on me as responsibility We've worked through it. I always, this is, I know this is, I do not tell this to my employees, but this is the way I think. If you're not working out, there's either one of two things. You're either dumb as shit and you just don't get it, or my training is bad. And usually it's my training is bad. But I also say to myself, I'm only going to exert another month or two of serious training before you might just be dumb as shit and don't get it. I'm not trying to be rude. I don't say that, but that's one of my thoughts is that like you're not obviously not getting it. Right. Because I will admit, I think I think training is a huge, not very successful for a lot of insurance independent agencies. I I'll be honest. I don't know if there's any better trainer in insurance than just hands-on sitting down going to work you know it just really truly is going you're 100 percent uh one of the things that we were talking about recently is so you so, say you know i'm a dave ramsey elp um mm-hmm. and i i decided that i'm just going to hire somebody and and stop giving the leads to my team and there was a new guy and he was you know he's kind of like well so are you are we going to remove these you know from my my flow and what i said is like man it's kind of like it's kind of like when a when a bird is is hatching right like part of part of what actually needs to happen for the formation of it to be able to fly is for it to fight and struggle and break through the shell um and so and i was like my problem is is that i broke your shell and i opened it up and i made it too easy for you and i need you to i need you to struggle a little bit and actually figure out you know and and i say struggle my the struggle in our agency is like we have a lot of leads coming in and no one's ever going to starve here um that's not our style but I do need them. I do need them to figure out like the right way to do business to go build those relationships to get those referral relationships coming in before they get to jump on, you know, under under my wing, so to speak, and just you know, kind of coast and, and take it easy. You need to earn that, right? Um, you need to earn it. You can go to the best baseball school in the world and you can get the best training in the world, but you still got to go out and hit the ball. That's right. You know, you still got to go out and and prove that you're the best. And if you're not. Um, once again, I'm we're not be I'm not being mean here, Christian and loyal listeners. No, I'm not. I'm not trying. But when I'm ready to make that decision, I don't have a problem making that decision. It is one of my superpowers as being um, an owner. You know, I just really don't. I can cut that relationship off. I think that what happened with me is that one is you know I've only been around for two years and I haven't had to do that. So one, it was just the hardest. But it was kind of like <laughs> you know if you're if anyone's a nerd out there, it's kind of like when those video games like you do something and then you power up and you get to the next level. Uh, I, learned, <laughs> I learned so much in that in that experience mm-hmm. like after but i mean the second it happened like the first day everyone was kind of bummed right but then the next day yep dude it was like we were all on super speed man and we were just all intent yep. all running the same direction and my team knew that i was willing to do the hard things in order to yep. take care of them and you know at that point and they also you know also i think it made a you know kind of took us out of the honeymoon phase you know we've just been so things have been so much fun and so easy 
and something hard happened and everyone was like, oh man, this is real. Right. <laughs> and I think you hit on it a minute ago, dude, you hit it on it a minute ago. You proved to them that you're battle ready, yeah. right? You proved to them that we saw a challenge and he's our leader. He, he has to respond. That's right. He's the, the, the one that has to respond and he did. And that yeah. gives us confidence. That lets us know that, wow, when, when shit gets tough, Christians tougher, right? Or more right. tough. That's so right. I, I think I think that um, that's what that did. And I'm so glad you hit on that because there's so many times that we're not seeing that backside. In the great separator, data people process, in your people, one of the things that's going to sink and create that separation is that the employee or the employer is not going to be able to get rid of the employee. If you can't change your people, change your people. They're not going to be able to do that. And it's going to strength. It's going to bog them down, help keep them in the grind. And it's going to be tough. Yeah. But the opposite is going to happen as well is those people who are there, who are quality are going to leave and go get real, right? right? They're going to go get that. So you've got that double whammo. That's going to create the ship to sink quicker is you're being weighted down by those who won't listen and those who want something better. They want Christian more who's going to be leading them and saying, you know, he's going to, I always like what Dante uh, Wilder has been saying lately, like I'm going to, I want to fall on my shield. You know, I like right. how he says that, but that's yeah. what you proved to, that's what you proved to them that he's going to make the tough choices. And, and that gives us confidence. That gives us confidence, right? In our family. Like when our family sees us have to make tough choices, right. they know that like dad's in it, right? Dad's serious about this game. Well, because, and, because, and, uh, of this employee, because of this employee's actions, I had to report my agency to the DOI. Uh, and that was a very difficult choice. Um, oh. And so, and so I came to the, I came to the play. They, so basically what happened is they just, they, uh, they let their license lapse and didn't tell anybody uh, for like, gotcha. like five months, even though that they had completed the CE, uh, which we paid for. So it was just one of those, one of those situations where um, we, mm -hmm. we were put at risk. Anyway, so what happened, my, my main determining factor to your point was, man, my children are going to see me. And I want them to know that their father is a man who is willing to do the right thing, even, even if it meant something bad happening to me. Um, now, we did everything right in the agency, and, and, we, and we did a lot of, a lot of cleanup. Yep. But, but at the end of the day... Thankfully, I had a lot of agents around who gave me some good counsel. Now, there were a lot that said, don't do it as well. Um, and I don't think that they were like malicious in that or, or, or uh, maleficent in that. But I think that they were uh, saying, you know, hey, they don't need to know that. Don't get the DOI involved. That's a bad thing. Um, but um, at the end of the day, at the, at the end of the day, man, um, we did that. And also, you know, the, the DOI came back and said, hey, you guys did everything right. We're not going to investigate. Good job. And so now I get to sleep at night and not look over my shoulder. Uh, hey, I look, I'm looking at the time, and I want to get your thought on something. So I'm, I want to switch gears real okay. quick. Um, Come on. So, so we were you were talking about training, and we've changed a com we've changed our narrative on our com in in our agency. We're talking about uh, you know, people talk about sales and service and the flow and the process. And something that I hate is when people take when people differentiate sales and service. Um, I don't think that to the client experience, sales and service are the exact same thing. In, now, in function, they're different, but in the, to the client experience, sales and service are the exact same thing. So if you if you read like the Bezos letters or if you looked at Amazon, how they do things, they talk about being client obsessed. And so what we've done is we've changed our narrative to instead of being sales and service, we're talking about being proactive and reactive. And in our agency, you, your, your function is either primarily proactive or primarily reactive. 
but there is a reality that both will have the other feature, right? So if you're a producer, for example, an outside sales producer, then you are proactive first, and then you are then you can be reactive once you've once you've successfully done your proactive functions. But if you are on the if you're on our client experience team, then you are reactive first, and then but once you have handled all of the reactive uh, processes then you can then turn and change to be proactive. So my, the concept and the thing that we're trying to really draw out here, and this has only been happening for about a month or so, uh, but it's, it's really starting to take effect because then I can say, hey, I'll, I need you to be intentional with what you're doing. So handle your reactive things first and then change the mentality and go and be proactive. And instead of thinking of sales versus service, what my team is now changing and thinking about is I have a proactive thing that I need to do and I have reactive things I need to do. So my producers, okay, hey, I'm going to be reactive. But what they can do is they can literally take the bull by the horns and they say, okay, here are these reactive things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take them, I'm going to set them aside over here. And in an hour, I'm going to handle all of my reactive things. So it allows the proactive producer to be proactive and then they can intentionally shift that reactive thing to, from being an interruption to being an intentional proactive reaction. I've never heard it explained like that. And I really like that. And I'm going to have to let my brain chew on that because, because I think you really might be onto something there. And I, because, and what I mean by that, obviously. Is Jason Cass speechless right it. now? Yeah, I am because I'm actually <laughs> looking up at the, I'm looking up because I've never heard of something like this. But what I'm thinking of is quickly, I'll just tell you what my brain yeah. is thinking about, is that we have to break down the silos of sales and service and claims and all that. And it needs to become one ecosystem. Right. And I believe you really fixed that by understanding that no matter what we do, even on the claim side, there's times where we need to be proactive and reactive, right? Yes. Um, and 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 so that has nothing to do with sales or service. That's a claim a claim person being proactive and reactive. It kind of fits into every layer of the agency. To me, that's how I'm trying to justify well, it in my mind. Like, well, it helps. Well, does that it, work here or there? It helps in like the practical things, right? So like I had one team member who came on and she was wanting everyone to know that she was like doing a good job and she's a rock star. She's a badass. But what happened was is she would do something and then she would go into someone's office and make sure she, they knew she did it, you know? And she was just trying to relate to them. I was like, hey, I was like, look, we got you. We're good. You're good. You're doing a great job. But every time you walk into somebody's office, you are interrupting their proactivity. So, so it, it, by, by that narrative, it was just a simple coaching thing. It was like, hey, you know, send them a message and let them know or put a, put a task notification in easy links or something like that. But don't, but don't interrupt the flow. Right. And so, well, I like what you say because think if they said it the other way, like, what if you said to them, um, like, hey, um, I, you're doing a great job and everything, but you're affecting our sales. Exactly. Right. Or, hey, you're affecting our service. Exactly. Now that's kind of like, oh, so it's all about you. We can't have fun. We can't talk and communicate to each other, Christian. But by you saying it the way you did, is, hey, you're, you're, you're hurting their proactivity. As you said, that falls into the workflow. That's a team thing. That's something that we all know and understand, you know, as that, that not being like sales or service or, you know, right. beneficial to the agency or not. I like that. That's very soft. That's good stuff. I like that. Uh, have you wrote any blogs or anything on that? No, no, honestly, I, there's, I think that there's a, I kind of want to write it. I think you need to put those in words and you need to release it on the AI, uh, on the, on their, our, uh, blog. Man, I would like to have as that. As long as I can have it for the book I'm going to write. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's completely fine. It's your it's your material. I'm just putting it on there. I'm not like Agency Nation and some of those others that once it's yours, they kind of act like it's theirs. I don't do right. that. So if you so at any time that you want the uh, you want that, you could absolutely have it. I just think it'd be good for it to go out there because I think the type of business owner and the person that our loyal listeners are, I think they need to have more of that. That was uh, that was potatoes and roast. You know, but anytime mom makes potatoes and roast, we always want a little more. You know what I mean? Right. So that's what I think we need from you, dude. We need some more of that proactive and reactive. I take that into everything that's being done. I try to break down things because that's the kind of person I am. And when you think of referrals, I've talked about this before. When you think of referrals, there's actually two different types of referrals. There's the proactive referral and there's the reactive right. referral, right? The proactive or the reactive referral is, is Jim says to Sheila, hey, where can I get my insurance? And Sheila says, oh, you should go down there and talk to real um, Kentucky. They're, they're awesome. Okay. Now that's a reactive, right? But a proactive is I just got done dealing with them and holy cow, it was so amazing that I happened to see Jim and I said, Jim, you're not going to believe it. I'm just dealt with this agency and they were like anything else. You know, that's a proactive referral. I think that we are very misled when agencies think that they make a living off of referrals. Mm -hmm. That's been proven in, by Chuck Blondino from Safeco Insurance um, many, many times. You can listen to my other podcast, loyal listeners. But I think, what do you think about that proactive and reactive referrals? Yeah, I like that. I like that. I tend to, I tend to take, I tend to not think about things coming from. So, like you know, we live as though nothing is, or we work as though nothing is going to come to us, right? So, you know, when I think about proactive and reactive, I'd say that anything coming into the agency that we did not intentionally create would be something that we have to react to. Um, and then the pro, I would, okay. I would think that the proactive would be, okay, we got done dealing with the client. And then I say, hey, client, I want these referrals. Can you give them to me now? So I, I tend to think more in terms of the experience of my producers uh, and my team members. So, you know, how are they acting? But I, 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 what you did is you, you took that and you shifted it to like the, the client interaction, which is good mm -hmm. because that you can still have that conversation. What's exciting about this is what you just did is um, you took this concept and you, and you, saw, you, you see how it can apply to every single conversation, every single thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the value of it because at the end of the day, it's not proactive versus reactive. It is intentionality. And that's what it comes down to. So what is your intention and are you being intentional with your activity. And this, I think yeah. this is just a tool that helps us judge whether or not we're being efficient with the thing that we're trying to do. I really, really like that. Christian, you know, leaders are readers and readers are leaders. And I know you're a leader, so I know you're a reader. Yeah. Tell me what you're reading. Tell me some books. Tell me some thoughts. Tell me some, some ideas that the listeners could take away. And so they can, they can get more real. So I'm, uh, I'm listening to Alexander Hamilton right now on, on, uh, audible. I'm almost through. It's about a 32 hour listen. Um, wow. and, nice. and I, I will say that he's probably one of the most impressive people that I've ever met. And this is honestly, this is the thing that, I, I'll tell you what, this is so funny. This is a 32 hour biography and it changed my agency. That's, that's crazy. Right. But here's the, here's the really, mm -hmm. here's a really interesting thing about Alexander Hamilton. His superpower was administration. And being, being like you, being like me, being like these super extrovert guys who, you know, just kind of want to wheel and deal and, and make and move and change the earth. Alexander Hamilton is probably one of the most influential people the world will ever know. And he was an administrator. And I hate administration. I hate processes and detailed things. And what, when I saw that 
there, I had a lot of there were a lot of life similarities with 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 me and Alexander Hamilton, and I, that I felt like I could relate to anyway, right? Not that I'm like any great changing person or anything, but just like his right. life and growing up and some of the struggles and personality issues. And then, but then I saw that his superpower was was not you know selling and you know and and persuasion, although that was part of it, but it was really his ability to administrate. And so in my agency it really allowed me to like take hold of the reins of our processes and like really dig in and find life in upgrading those things. Uh, because I saw that the, basically the success of our country was founded upon one person's administrative ability. Um, so yeah, I had to humble myself and say, okay, maybe this isn't just something you don't like, but it's something that you need to do. And, mm-hmm. and then I found that, you know, if I, if I tried a little harder, I could actually do it. It was just something I didn't like. Um, so right. Alexander Hamilton, and, and it's one of the most fascinating stories that you'll ever read, honestly. Um, that's huge. And then the book Mindset, uh, we talked about a fixed versus an, um, a fixed versus a, um, um, what was what was the other word? There's a fixed mindset. Reactive versus proactive. Uh, oh, no. Fixed mindset was heart and uh and oh, growth uh, fixed and growth fixed and growth yes. yeah, yeah so there's a fixed mm-hmm. mindset and a growth mindset it's written by a, a, a female doctor i can't remember her name right now but she uh man it's it's brilliant and if someone wants to figure out like mindset in their agency uh, and you want to start judging your people and yourself based off of how you think and act mindset is a phenomenal book you know that alexander hamilton was you know the one bad thing about him he was a bad shot <laughs> oh, yeah Okay, terrible joke, terrible oh, man, joke, terrible so joke. Bad. But you know, it's not one of those things you can say too soon, right? It, <laughs> it, it happened in 1804, so I mean, it's it, it's well known now. But no, I mean, seriously, the the the, the gentleman was extraordinary. Um, I'm a big John Adams fan, so obviously his dealings, their dealings together, um, and were 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 tremendous in the Federalist Papers, and some of the things that we've had right now with the impeachment. Um, well, that we just had those those laws were administered and laid down by Hamilton and how he described this to be. And you can say Hamilton, you can say a lot of those guys, dude. I mean, isn't it unbelievable how smart they were to forecast the things that we encounter every day? I mean, they were unbelievable, unbelievable. at the things that they saw, you know. And um, it's really, really amazing. Alexander Hamilton is a really good one. I have watched a couple uh, documentaries on him. I've not read about him yet. Uh, right now, I'm reading uh, Abraham Lincoln, The Prairie Years. Ooh, cool. um, yeah, it is. It, it is cool. Actually, the first chapter or so, I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. But I kept telling myself, because I'm trying to get away from business books for a couple, right? You probably do that yeah. too. Like, you kind of, like, they, you know, you get away, like, let me get something different. And, but after the second or third, I'm really rolling um, in some of the, the personal stuff that's well documented about some of the loves of his life. And I mean, dude had a rough, rough life, had a rough, rough life. And then it obviously ended in tragedy, but it was uh, he had a rough, rough life. Um, good stuff, though. But, you know, and it's not ironic that all tough things come from those. It's like Ferris Bueller said, you know, if uh, what is it? Cameron is so tight that if you took a lump of coal and you put it in two weeks, you'd have a diamond. <laughs> no, you remember yeah, that? That's what they said on Ferris Bueller. I don't know. I just that came out of nowhere. Hey, uh, Christian, this has been uh, a way due, uh, overdue. I want you to know that us doing this um, has been a long time in the making and it's been for good reason. I did it for on purpose 
um, because the best needs to be saved for last. And so you've done a lot of other blog or podcasts and the best need to be saved for last, <laughs> which is, which is the number one podcast. And once again, I'm number one podcast till somebody else wants to show me their numbers. And so, it, it, no, I really did though, because I needed it to get out. I knew that you being getting out there, talking, thinking of sometimes I could be willing to bet that if I listen to every one of your podcasts you did from the first one to now, you've probably gotten a little bit more comfortable every time. And so I noticed that whenever I see somebody who's kind of hot on the scene and, 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 and they're really out there making changes, I always try to sit back and wait. Because I want them to get out there and feel comfortable and air out their things because a lot of times people want to get on, you know, they want to get on these podcasts and they just want to tighten up because they think it's the end of the world if they talk about something like this. I talk about Jesus all the time. I talk about mental illnesses all the time. I'm completely open. And guess what? The downloads just keep going up. That's not because, oh, but what, it, what, and it's not because anything other than my team and the way that they are doing unbelievable things. That's the reason there. But it's happening on a loyal listener side because you're realizing that we're real. Right. We're just, we're just truthful. Like I'm just telling you about everyday things, you know? So I think, I think that's rich. And I think that's why I'm glad that I waited for you to have this time and dude we did have a long one um i haven't even looked at the time but yeah it's been an hour and 15 minutes which has totally been worth it i think we gave them everything we wanted um we didn't talk much about neon which is no big deal my loyal listeners hear about it a lot and um is there anything else out there that you want to talk about while we wrap this up right here no, no, man. I, you know, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, when you do the right thing and you do it for the right reason, you're, you're going to find, you're going to find the success that you're looking for. Uh, so at the end of the day, I, you know, I just hope that people are encouraged uh, by, by my story, your story, the stories that are shared here uh, to, you know, to hold fast to their integrity and not to, not to ever break that. Yeah, you're right about that, man. Um, you are so right about that. So right about that. Christian, keep going, man. Keep going. Your culture, your talks. Um, you know, it wasn't very long ago that when you started talking about culture, um, people's eyes like rolled in the back of their head or they started to glaze over. It was like, oh my gosh, you know? And I was one of those people. <laughs> but when you take away culture and you just talk about people, when you take away culture and you talk about heart, when you take away culture and you talk about mindset, when you take away culture and you talk about gratitude, when you take away culture and you talk about giving, receiving, hands open, that makes culture real. Yeah. That that and, and I really didn't even mean to see that. Mean mean to say that that makes it real. Like uh, now that I say that, that it makes it you. You are the only person that I know that believes in core values so much that you said, I'm going to put it in the name of my agency. And uh, I think that that's a banner that you should be happy to fly. And uh, kudos to you, man. Uh, I'm glad that you're in this industry. You're going to make great changes to your, to your, to your family, to your agency, to this industry. Um, keep doing that mission work. If you want to come to Cuba with me one of these uh, years, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, it's a fantastic place, man. And uh, thanks very much for coming on. That was an honor, man. Thanks for having me.
Yeah, no problem. This has been Agency Intelligence, where we give you real agencies, uh, real agents like Christian inside real agencies, kind of like his real agency, <laughs> uh, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that the industry tries to make you believe. This has been Jason Cass with Christian Moore, and we are out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is. To, to fix a problem, the first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.